0: Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing, so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBuzz, and I'm honoured that you're here with me. If you haven't yet joined our wonderful Flywheel Nation community, go to flywheelnation.com and join in the podcast conversations. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this Overbus podcast.
1: hard to know what you want ahead of time. Humans are not known in psychological research for being really great at predicting how they're going to feel emotionally about attaining a certain goal. We think we're real good at it, but we're not shown to be actually very good at it. So if we're not going to know ahead of time what's going to make us happy, then it's much easier to focus on what's taking my energy away right now and is this something that i have control over and can shift and if so then maybe shifting that brings you a little bit closer to the thing that gives you comfort joy and fulfillment rather than trying to find an answer you know the the one like there's this there's a lot of pressure i think to find like the golden key to all the things there's no golden key there's a lot of tiny nuanced adjustments that, especially as an entrepreneur and a creative, you have to make all the time to continue to stay on the path that feels right to you.
0: Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. If you haven't heard my recent conversations with leadership and business coach Khalid Gorab and with founder and CEO of Red Direction, Jess Jewell, then do go check them out. But stay here, listen to today's conversation first. I'm really excited to have on the InnovaBuzz podcast as my guest today, Kate Donovan, one of New York City's leading burnout experts, host of Fried, the burnout podcast, and author of the book, The Bounce Backability Factor, and Burnout, Gain Resilience and Change the world her master's degree in traditional chinese medicine enables kate to combine eastern wisdom with her natural practicality after performing more than 25000 acupuncture treatments kate added one-to-one coaching corporate workshops and keynotes for companies such as ptc lululemon nextthink teradata veda price marsh and mclennan and workplaceless all with a focus on ending burnout culture. Kate has been featured on podcasts and online magazines such as Forbes, NPR, The New York Post, Thrive Global, as well as quoted in Oprah magazine. In our conversation today, Kate talked to me about the three core symptoms of impending burnout. We talked about setting boundaries that are clear, kind and concise both external boundaries and internal boundaries. And we talked about the power of human connection. Without further ado, then let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Kate Donovan. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome to the Inova Buzz podcast today, all the way from New York in the USA, Kate Donovan who's a burnout recovery specialist she's host of the Fried the Burnout podcast and also author of the book The Bounce Back Ability Factor welcome to the Innovabus podcast Kate it's a real privilege to have you as my guest
1: I am so thrilled to be here you've had some guests on some people that I really love and appreciate so I'm I'm thrilled to be in the list
0: Great. Well one of those people I'm sure is Karan Nijuwan, who mm-hmm. was our guest on episodes three hundred and thirty-three and four hundred and eighty-five of the Innova Buzz Podcast, and he introduced us and suggested that we have a conversation. So a big shout out to Karan. Absolutely. Now um you you have a really fascinating story about burning out um in in the work you are doing and, and the one of the fascinating things to me is it was work that you really loved and you were passionate about and you were it sounded from listening to your story that you were actually fulfilled in it and yet you're still burnt out and then of course you explored why that was and how to how to recover from that burnout and that's that's the story or the basis of the work you do today before we start digging into that some more and unpacking that, what's the impact you're having in the world today?
1: You know, my the hashtag that goes along with my podcast is end burnout culture. And I thoroughly believe that the more people I can help end their own personal burnout culture and prevent them from participating in the hustle culture as as it functions right now, the closer we get to ending burnout culture together, because we people always say, you know, the system is broken, the system is broken, but we're all participating in the system. So until we separate ourselves from it, until we pull back and say, well, I'm not going to do it that way, then the systems don't break down because our participation means that they can continue. So to me, my my function, my mission on the world is to end burnout culture by helping people to stop participating in it.
0: Hmm. Fascinating. So, what do you mean by burnout culture?
1: This is very US based, but the US, we've, you know, sort of exported a lot of our ideas all over the world because of movies and TV and, and everything else. But if you look at the top 10 United States cultural values, you'll find hard work and individualism on there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And first of all, I've never done anything by myself in my life. So I don't understand that individualism piece. I was a very solitary person for a long time. Like, I always felt like I was doing everything by myself. But then I wasn't stopping to think about the fact that, you know, 4,000 people had to exist in order for me to have this phone and these apps. And, you know, just looking in this room that I'm in right now, the fabrics and the and the surfaces and the, I mean, how many people had to exist for me to be able to build out this six by six closet into a
2: podcasting studio with all of the working bits. We've forgotten how connected we are. And
1: I think that's a huge part of burnout culture. We don't ask for help. We, We don't remember this connection. We don't utilize this connection. When we don't utilize our other, like our human connections, we are eliminating a massive resource for ourselves, that helps to build our resilience. There's one human behavior that increases your level of resilience, one, according to the research so far, and it's asking for help. So mm. if you think you're alone all the time and you think that you're more successful
2: if you do it by yourself, then you're probably gonna burn out. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm thinking back to kind
0: of the days of my corporate career and um, it was, 27 years of which 25 I enjoyed immensely and then the last two were actually real drag and I thought at the time I knew that there were some pretty major shifts in the values and culture of the organization because of major reorganizations acquisitions and mergers and so on and I thought you know this isn't matching my values at all anymore but perhaps there was a a level of burnout there as well I just didn't recognize it at the time so if we're in a situation like that where we're starting to feel as though I don't enjoy this anymore this isn't fun and it it it's in some ways a surprise as it was to me there because I'd loved doing what I was doing all that time how do we kind of recognize it is burnout and and then take the first steps to address that
1: So burnout has uh, three factors that need to be considered right now according to the current definition which i believe will expand over time but for right now the information that we have the research shows that there, there are three pieces that have to exist at the same time in order for us to say this is a situation that involves burnout the first one of those is physical and emotional exhaustion which to me is like such a silly thing to say because that covers pretty much any symptom mental health or physical health that you could possibly mm. have <laughs> okay. right so it's like it's a very very broad brush but physical and mental exhaustion is is number one the second one is feeling disconnected and cynical so turning into what my grandmother would call a negative nancy um, just mm. just being very cynical mm. about life not seeing the good anymore and inability to see the good and this is a really crucial part because especially again when we come back to this sort of like very american positive thinking based culture you're supposed to always find the good in everything you're supposed to look for the silver lining as soon as the disaster occurs you're supposed to be able to pull yourself out of any bad situation just by finding something good in it Um, and while that has some merit in some situations when you're burnt out you can't you can't find the good anymore. Even if you know it logically, you don't feel it emotionally. So you're really disconnected from your life as a whole. And the third factor is that you feel a lack of impact and accomplishment in your work. So either because your productivity is really low or because you've lost the connection to the fact that what you do is actually impactful. So I burnt out as an acupuncturist and I was helping people to have children. And it got to the point where I was like, really unimpressed by that i was like great another person is pregnant whatever
2: <laughs> hmm. yeah
0: yeah well that, that's a pretty clear definition and i as, as as you were going through that i thought yep i feel felt all of that yeah um you mentioned positive thinking and this idea of we've all got to have um we can't be cynical we can't always look at the bad side of things so if we're hit by a an unpleasant situation, a disaster, or whatever it might be, we've got to think positively. Talk to us a little bit about that because I think there's there's a huge danger in kind of just saying, well, let's just turn that around and think positively without without doing something about that. I mean, yes, there's opportunity in every situation, but if we just say, Well, okay, I've I've well, let's say I'm physically and emotionally exhausted, I'm I'm feeling ill. It's gotten to the point where I'm actually my body is actually telling me stop by by becoming sick, for example. And and some people have some fairly serious illnesses as a result of that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. So to then say, Well, that's all right, I'll just think positively about this is I think is a very dangerous kind of attitude without Extremely. unless you Combine that with taking some action to address the causes of what's going on.
1: I agree with you 100%. I just released two podcast episodes uh, within the past few months about the negative side of positive thinking hmm. and about how dangerous this is really and how it's one of the biggest pieces of people who burn out. Typically, the people that I work with tell me, like, I was always an optimist, I'm a positive person. Like, I don't know how I got here. Well, you got here because you used positive thinking to ignore stuff in your life that really needed to be addressed. And you weren't addressing it and it added up over time, which doesn't necessarily make, I wanna be really clear, doesn't necessarily make burnout the individual's fault. There's a huge, as you were mentioning, you know, when you're, there's a lot of culture changes in a company and there's acquisitions and there's mergers and there's all these things that happen. The company culture, can be in a very large part responsible for burnout. Some of the research shows up to 80%. But the people that I talk to on a day to day basis usually tell me something more like 50 50. There's 50% of this, like sort of people pleasing, perfectionism, inability to face the hard stuff. So, this kind of toxic positive thinking that we're mentioning now. And then the rest of it is, you know, a micromanaging boss, a mismatch of, of values with your working culture you know, and in uh, a a culture that doesn't foster communication and recognition for a job well done, things like this are all, all factors when it comes to burnout. So I think that this positive thinking is one of the most dangerous factors. It's an entire chapter in my book, because I think it's such a dangerous factor when it comes to burnout, not taking the time to address difficult things in your life that really need to be addressed will add up and and create a lot of weight. To carry around
2: over time.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's a. I, I think that's a really important point that um, people don't fall into that trap of saying, "Well, I'll just think positively about the situation," because there's a risk that you actually ignore some of the fundamental causes of of what it's doing. And you talked there about many aspects or many. Things that couldn't contribute to that, and you, you highlighted company culture and the environment over which we have very little control, and yet there's lots of things within us that we do have lots of control over and and some of those, and as a recovering perfectionist, I can really relate to that part of it how do we how do we get some early indications that we're going down this path leading to burnout um, before we get before it becomes critical? And how can we take some actions then to um, kind of correct course?
1: So before it becomes critical, you start to notice that your normal functioning, you can't do anymore. So if you were a person, for instance, who used to get up and run a half an hour, three days a week before work. And for the past couple of months, you're noticing that. You're getting up and you're only going one out of the three days. And that one day that you do go, you finish maybe 20 minutes instead of a half an hour. And instead of it adding to your energy for the day and making you feel pumped and ready to go, it's making you feel exhausted. That's letting you know that energetically something's not right. Your physical body, your emotional body, they're not able to keep up with what you're doing right now, even though what you're doing is less. So when you're normal functioning... Starts to be hard to keep up with. If, for instance, you made it a priority, say you have children, and you said, you know, like Tuesday afternoons, it's my day with my daughter, and then you stop doing it and you don't pay attention to it and you can't find the energy for it and you can't make it happen. And even when you do make it happen, you're not really present and you were always able to be present before. That's a sign. If you are typically optimistic and you can't find that optimism, that's a sign. Right, there are all these like when when your normal isn't
2: natural to you anymore. When your normal requires more effort, something's not right. Hmm. So we need to be
0: really self-aware of some of these little things, right? In terms of bringing curiosity to the table, rather than because I, I find sometimes that I like to go out on a morning bike ride each day and sometimes I'll have days and I have had days where it's been a couple of weeks where I'll wake up in the morning and I'll say oh it's dark or it's too cold or I'll just roll over and go back to sleep and then I'll do it um day in day out for a few days and then I'll give myself a kick and say come on I've got to get up and and get started because I know I'll feel better after the ride but to have when you burnt out you don't
1: feel better after the ride. Yeah. yeah. The trick.
0: But to have that self awareness and, and the curiosity to say, hmm, what is going on here? Is it just that, you know, I've been going to bed too late and I feel a bit tired, or is is there something deeper mm. happening here?
1: Yeah. And another really big sign that to me is absolutely crucial, something that I don't see anyone else talking about. And that to me means you're a little closer to burnout than um you, you sort of might have missed the critical moment is a lot of resentment.
2: Hmm.
1: When you start to get to this place where you feel like your output is way more than what you're getting in return, when you start to feel like no matter how much they pay you, it's kind of not worth it anymore. And this person that you used to help with joy, you see their email pop up and you're like, this person again? What the heck do they want now? Like, what do you want from me now? I give you so much. When there starts to be a lot of resentment, you have already gone past the point of your natural generosity. You have overgiven more than what you have to give. And for whatever reason, you haven't been filled back up. Maybe because you didn't intentionally fill back up, Maybe because there's people in your life that are, you know, energetic vampires in some way. Maybe there's, you know, a narcissist boss in your life or a spouse. Who, who knows? But hmm. you've given more than you've gotten back. And that's a road to nowhere good.
0: Yeah. 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 I found that fascinating that you talk about resentment as a superpower in, in the book and in, in a lot of your podcasts. And, um, you, you've just described the situation there. We, we use that word a lot when we talk to clients about defining your dream customer, defining your ideal customer. And, and a lot of the argument that comes back to that is, oh, but I'm narrowing down my potential market and I might be missing some opportunities. And I always respond to that. Well, the opportunities you're missing are people that aren't a good match for you or your service, even if you, can make you know you can jointly come to a decision to work together with that person it often ends up in bad situations resentful resentful Mm -hmm. situations and and i've been there so i know that was resentful thing so it i found that fascinating that you use that as hey that's an indicator that we're on we're starting to suffer a little bit of burnout or we're at risk of burnout
1: Yeah, it's also a great indicator to help yourself realize then, okay, well, if this isn't it, then what do I need to change, especially for people that are innovative, for people that are entrepreneurs? I use resentment in my everyday work to find out how my business needs to shift next. Hmm. When I start to get really annoyed about a, a service or an offering that I used to love, and then when somebody buys it or signs up, I'm like, ugh it's this time the
2: of- yeah <laughs> it's
1: time to change that offer
2: hmm.
1: right so you can really uh help it can really help to guide you toward what you want because oftentimes when you when people say this happens in my facebook group all the time and you say you know people are like but i, I i'm not making a change because i don't know what i want well it's really hard to know what you want ahead of time humans are not known in psychological research for being really great at predicting how they're going to feel emotionally about attaining a certain goal. We think we're real good at it, but we're not shown to be actually very good at it. So Mm. if we're not going to know ahead of time, what's going to make us happy, then it's much easier to focus on what's taking my energy away right now. And is this something that I have control over and can shift? And if so, then maybe shifting that brings you a little bit closer to the thing that gives you comfort, joy and fulfillment, rather than trying to find an answer, you know, the, the one like there's this, there's a lot of pressure, I think, to find like the golden key to all the things. There's no golden key. There's a lot of tiny nuanced adjustments that especially as an entrepreneur and a creative, you have to make all the time to continue to stay on the path that feels right to you but it's really easy to step to the right a little bit and then say oh uh, this isn't quite it okay well let's go back to the center
2: hmm. yes it's a journey isn't it and hmm. um, some people well i guess
0: innovative people people that are curious tend to explore a lot of different things and so um sometimes that can lead to a wrong turn. Um, but the good, the good news is, and here's the positive thinking part, is that as innovators and curious people, we also keep experimenting and keep adapting.
2: Yeah. Mm.
0: So you talked there a moment ago about setting boundaries mm. and, um, that's one key to avoiding resentment or when you recognize resentment to making that shift. Talk to us a little bit more about that because I know you've got a fascinating uh, approach to the idea of boundaries and um, typically when people talk about boundaries it's um, so if somebody calls me for example at five o'clock in the afternoon when I'm about to wrap wrap up for the day and I take the call and I say can you call me tomorrow because this is like five o'clock is too late so and, and that's kind of Putting the boundary back on, putting the responsibility back on them to respect this boundary. Um, so talk to us a little bit about that because I think there's you, your approach is really unique in that there's ways you can do that without being like almost rude in that example mm-hmm. or, um, without even training people to respect your boundaries so that they, they like you for it.
1: Yeah, there's I love I love this topic so much. And and this could be, you know, probably four podcast episodes, (laughs) but I will try and keep it concise. I think that there is a difference that people are not discussing between internal boundaries and external boundaries. So an external boundary is the one that you just described, right? Hmm. You say, hey, you know, can you call me back tomorrow? But the internal boundary would have been not picking up the phone in the first place. Yeah, right. You don't have to pick up the phone just because somebody calls. And you don't owe anybody a response right away. This is one of the things that always gets me. I had someone, you know, LinkedIn, people love to use LinkedIn for connecting with you and then sending you cold pitch emails. Hmm. And I, I got one this week that was really funny and it was like signed off with love and it was, you know, very, very emotional. And I got another a follow-up a couple of days later because I didn't respond to it because it doesn't have anything to do with me. It was like, would you like to write your first book? Like, I already did that. You're not paying attention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, at That's least right. pay yeah. attention, you know? Yeah, at least
0: have a look at my profile. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> Which I, I get. People are just trying to, like, make their money and live their lives. That's fine. But I don't have any responsibility to respond to you simply because you wrote to me. Hmm. And i think this is where internal boundaries come into play where we have to make decisions for ourselves how we are going to spend our time and energy so i got a i purchased something online a while ago and it was just a template a, a sales page template for one of my courses and i had a question about it and i sent the question it was 2 p.m on a friday and at 5:15 on a friday they responded. And so I just wrote
2: back a quick thank you, and I got an automatic response. And the response was, you know,
1: when people write to us outside of our nine to five business hours, it really bothers, it really messes with our ability to focus on our families because we're so obsessed with what we do that we want to be there to service you. So please refrain from emailing us outside of our business hours and It was going on and on. And this is a case where you sell something 24 hours a day, seven days a week to to a global community. Hmm. You are now asking people all over the world to figure out what nine to five Eastern standard time is, which is like not their job. Hmm. And you're creating an external boundary When your job should be an internal one. If you don't want to read emails after 5 p.m. in your time zone, don't look at your emails. Yeah. Shut your notifications off. Don't put the onus on me as your customer to double check my schedule and my time zone before I send you an email. Because you can't control yourself around your phone. That's not my problem. So I think a lot of times we create these external boundaries that do come across as rude because they're not other people's
2: responsibility. Yeah, yeah. It it
0: remind that reminds me of that story of um, the in the corporate world when um, this is going back quite a ways. It dates me a little bit when Blackberries were first introduced, and and all of our salespeople that were on the road all the time got. BlackBerry devices, and so they could access their email while they were on the road very easily. And one of the common complaints that I heard there in those days was, I hate these Blackberries because I'm getting emails at all hours of the day and I'm having to respond to them. And and I, I remember saying to some of the people at that point, did you know you can turn off the notifications on them?
1: Exactly. <laughs> Hmm. Exactly. So if you pay, so if you start paying attention to where resentments are coming up, you can start figuring out, looking at patterns. Where are the places that I'm constantly overstepping my own boundaries? That's leaving me resentful. Those are all the places where you need to start honoring your own commitment to yourself first. Hmm. Then you can start to see. Oh, this is really clearly. A boundary that I've already set that somebody else is not respecting that is not my responsibility. Because sometimes it is, the onus is on other people. So what's going on there and what boundary needs to be put into place in order for you to rectify that situation? Now, I have rules around creating boundaries and I believe that when we create a positive boundary that's going to work, and they don't always work because some people are narcissists and some people are, you know, sociopaths. So boundaries are not always going to work. However, they should be clear, kind, and concise. Those those are the three words that I think we need to focus on. And in order for them to be clear, kind, and concise, we can use, I say, being a boundary brat, B-R-A-T. So you use words or concepts of beliefs or believe, resources, abilities, and trust. So B-R-A-T, belief, resources, abilities, trust. I had a a friend who called me and said, oh, I'm really struggling with these people at my work. These interns are constantly writing to me and they're asking me to find pieces of research for them that I've found before so I have access to. But it took me like 36 hours of research over time to find this piece of information that now I have to spend another two hours finding so that I can give it to them. And I said, well, no, you don't have to spend two hours finding it to give it to them. But if you do that, regularly then they're going to expect that Mm. so of course they're going to write to you and do it she said well they need to do their own research because they need to understand where these things come from just getting the number isn't enough the work that we do requires this level of understanding and I said well then your response needs to be a canned one that says here are the resources you need you'll find the information there I believe and trust in your ability to use these resources Right? In, in that example, I used all the words. You can sometimes just use one of the words. Sometimes you'll use one of the concepts. But offering people your trust in their ability empowers people to find solutions without using you as the resource.
2: If that's what you're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's, I mean, there's so much gold in
0: that advice. From the point of view, first of all, of, of setting that boundary in a really respectful way. And also, it's it's enabling the people to actually learn the particular skill for themselves. Exactly. Because that is a really good example with those interns. They're there to, to not just to do the work, but to actually learn skills while they're doing that work. And if they're just being spoon-fed the results of the work then they're not learning so
1: yeah. in
0: a way it's um
1: you, you rob people of the opportunity to to learn for themselves to become self-sufficient to to figure it out you rob you rob yeah, people exactly. of the opportunity mm. when you're over giving to people all the time when you're solving everyone's problems all the time you're taking away their power mm. and we we think it's kind You know, we think it's kind to help people. And sometimes people need help. I'm not saying don't ever help anybody. That's not the point here. Right? But if you're resentful about it, you're not the person that needs to be helping, but you can help guide them to a different resource that might instead of Mm. being responsible for the help yourself. So I think there's a, there's a weird balance here between arming people to be empowered and understanding, like I said before, that asking for help increases your resilience. So we do need to be there for one another, but that doesn't mean that every time somebody asks you for something or doesn't ask you for something, because very frequently you're offering help when, when (laughs) nobody asks you for anything at all. Right. And then we're back to the internal boundary, but you don't have to always be the resource. You should be the resource when your generosity feels like it can flow easily without, a side
2: effect or a side dish of resentment hmm. yes the side dish of resentment <laughs> <I love it. laughs> one of the
0: things that came up in that conversation was the idea of taking care of ourselves first and we talked earlier about this idea of that awareness of being curious about what is going on for me right now in my response to this particular situation. The idea of taking care of oneself first, how do we kind of pay much more attention to that if like you and I and so many entrepreneurs are very service oriented, we care about our customers, we care about their success, and, and often that level of caring means we overlook the boundaries we overlook those internal boundaries and and, you know there's a high risk of getting into this situation where we suddenly push over all those boundaries and suddenly we get resentful so how do we kind of change our mindset there to the point of taking care of ourselves first and and still reconcile that with our um, desire our values of providing service to people and really being helpful
1: this is this is really important to me because I've always wanted to help people. That's always been the goal. I, I I trained as a healer. I'm I'm an acupuncturist. I was I literally designed my entire life to be of service to people. So the question that I think I ask myself now in my own business and what I allow to guide my pricing and my packages and all of it is how will this impact my generosity. Because I want to be generous. The people there's a there's a lot of sort of dissing of people pleasing now. Like people pleasing is a problem. You can't people please all the time. I agree that you can't people please all the time, and we were just talking about that with the internal boundaries. However, it's not necessarily a bad thing to want to bring joy and pleasure to people's lives. You just simply have to have enough generosity within you to be able to do it. So to me, when it comes to taking care of myself and when it comes to other parts of my life that need to be taken care of as well, the balance comes in on how will this impact how generous I'm going to feel. So if I take a bath in the middle of the day, am I going to feel more generous to my afternoon clients? Yeah, probably. Hmm. Right. So how is this going to impact my generosity? Or when somebody asks me to Do something. I did a lot of free speaking when I was first starting out as a speaker. I don't do that a lot anymore. Now, when somebody asks me to speak for, you know, low bono, pro bono pricing, and I have to look at it and say, how does this impact my generosity in that space? Is this a good enough opportunity for me or valuable enough to me because of my values that I will feel generous in this space if I am not paid? If I'm not going to feel generous with a client, I don't do it. It is off the table. I never want to be working with a group of people or an individual person where I don't have the ability to be generous. That means I charge well for my time. That means I don't overbook myself. It means that I don't overstep in other areas of my life. It means I have a cleaning, a a set of cleaning ladies, two of them come twice a month. And do a full head to toe cleaning of my house because by not taking the time to do that and energy to do that, I can be more generous in the rest of my life. So the question about how to take care of myself, it doesn't even matter what you do. It's about knowing how particular actions are going to add to or subtract from the amount of generosity you want to have in your work. If you're a service provider, it's okay to be generous. It's okay to people please, but you've got to serve yourself enough finance and energy and emotion to be able to do that in a way that it's overflowing and that it's easy.
2: Mm. Yeah,
0: I love that. It's, um, it's kind of creating abundance, isn't it?
1: Yes. Mm. Yes. Somebody asked me recently, I, I very rarely get questioned about my pricing, very rarely. And someone said recently, like, this is how much I would pay for like a top tier lawyer. Am I missing something? And I said, well, you're, you're counting it by hours. And that's not what I'm counting, first of all. And second of all, you're coming to me because you're burnt out. I set up my life to avoid that. Charging this much allows me to feel generous when we spend
2: time together. That's why I do it. Yes, great response. And um, yeah, focused on the value.
0: Now, one of the things I'm curious about, and this is a bit of a a shift here, you're doing so many different things. You're speaking, you're writing, you're podcasting, you're coaching with clients, you're doing group writing, group training programs. Um, You're still a practicing acupuncturist, and so much more. I've probably um, haven't touched on some of the other things um, isn't that at odds with avoiding burnout
1: <laughs> not for me so one of the things that i realized after you know 14 years as an acupuncturist was that doing the same thing day in and day out that level of monotony isn't good for my level of generosity because i get bored hmm. and it came at a, at a similar time where i started to realize that i have adhd and i i can't do that the same thing every day i just i can't so having these different areas where that i can play in makes my life feel uh, variable enough for me to be continuously interested in what i'm doing
2: hmm.
0: fascinating and and how do you manage that all do you have it compartmentalized in say days of the week and say on this this day I'm doing these things on the next day. I've got other, some of the other things are there.
1: So the first thing is I don't do it by myself. There's a, you know, like I said, the number one way to gain more resilience is to ask for for more help. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm very pro paying for help. So when it comes to my podcast, there are two and a half hours per month of time that is needed to record. That's the only thing I do. Yeah. All of the post production and the show notes and the social media and the posting of the social media and all of those things are taken care of by other people. Because that allows me to be generous when I'm on the podcast. Mm.
2: That's
1: what, that's what adds to my generosity. So I, I outsource all of that. So my podcast does not, uh, does not cost me a lot of time. Now it costs me more money now, but it doesn't cost me a lot of time. Mm. I, did shut down my acupuncture office. So I'm not a practicing acupuncturist right now. I was looking at all the balance sheets and it was the thing that was costing me the most, both emotionally and financially and bringing mm-hmm. me the least amount of returns. Yeah. So I sat down and I said, well, you know, after 14 years, it's time to shift from this. And it was a weird day, you know, like that. <laughs> it was a weird day, but I'm not doing that now. So right now, my main things are the podcast, which I said is, is about two and a half hours, maybe three hours a month. Um, then I'm a full-time student, so I'm doing a new degree, which is biobehavioral health. It's very exciting. And that costs me about 15 hours a week. I don't do more than one speaking event a week, especially if I'm traveling for it. So I'll do maximum four a month. And I only take coaching calls Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I don't take calls on Mondays and Fridays. Hmm. So I have everything set up that, that in a way that allows me to have white space on my calendar no matter what I'm doing. And on top of all of that, I always take a minimum of five weeks off a year, always,
2: no matter what. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a
0: great way to manage it. And it's fascinating that, um, a lot of people Miss this concept that you touched on there in exchanging time for money, oh. and and particularly when you marry it up with, does that, does that increase my generosity level by doing this? And when you say no, but it is vital. For example, for the podcast, it is vital to do the editing, the production, the promotion, um, and all the social media posts that go with that, and writing the show notes, etc. Um, but it doesn't contribute to my energy, so I'll pay somebody else to do it.
1: Absolutely, and that, and honestly, the amount I pay compared to the amount of time it saves me is—it was taking me six to eight hours every week when I was doing mm. it by myself. That's a full day every week. That's four full days a month. That's an incredible amount of time.
2: Hmm.
0: Yes, that is is a big time sink. I remember when I was doing the this podcast. All on my lonesome and um i I did get to the point where I thought I can't sustain this yeah and and it was kind of like that that critical moment. I'm just going to burn out if I keep doing this and mm-hmm. and at that point, I got help and um we're lucky we've got our own editors on board that do all those things for us, but like mm-hmm. you i'm um, I turn up for the the show conversation. I do do a little bit of research, but it yeah. um it's it's similar to what you've said a few hours for the show for me and the rest I have somebody else do and I pay them well to do it and they enjoy the the important thing is they enjoy doing it which they're they're in a spot where they're really loving that part of the work so there's people that love these different bits Mm -hmm. of the work that um, you might find that you're not loving or that drain your energy so go find those people
1: absolutely absolutely this is so critical i think in something that really messed me up when i uh, when i was in burnout when it kind of started i was running an acupuncture practice and i was so busy and i couldn't understand how paying a receptionist was going to make me more money Hmm. I, i i was 28 years old i i just couldn't wrap my head around it people told me that And I Mm. couldn't understand. All I could see was the chunk of money that I was going to be pulling out every week. And I never did get that receptionist in that space. And I didn't make it. Mm. I totally burnt out. And then I went to another space and I did have a receptionist. And I was like, oh, I literally make twice as much money.
0: (laughs) Yes, it, it it sort of feels counterintuitive until you've experienced it, right? Yeah. All right. Well, this is fabulous, Kate. I think it's a good point now, though, to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round, and uh, same five questions I ask of every guest, and hopefully you'll inspire the listener to go and do something awesome, take some action as a result today. What's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative?
1: To have white space. Hmm. white space to me means like for me i don't take calls on mondays and fridays that means that i can like dilly dally in my head on friday you can't come up with a creative solution to anything if you don't have actual time to sit and think every great thinker over time has said that they adore boredom because that's where their ideas come in right we need white space you cannot be super busy and be innovative the way that you want to you might think of some new things sometimes and some things come spontaneously sort of they feel like you know god-given gifts like wh- what the heck how where did that come from but most of the time to really be creative in solving a problem i think you just need white space clean clear mm. space yeah that's
2: a great point um
0: and i guess I avoid boredom at all costs, but my, well, my form of white space, so I'm not the sort of person that can holiday and sit by the lounge by the pool, mm-hmm. unless I've got a really interesting book to read or something mm-hmm. like that. So my form of white space really is just getting away from the screen and doing something completely different. So it might be yeah. photography, it might be bike riding, it might be going for a walk in the bush.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I do puzzles, I run, We row. my husband and I row uh, during the season. And that's an Mm -hmm. hour and a half, three days a week where you can't do anything but this repetitive motion. So your brain, you know, percolates its own
2: things. And then you get Mm -hmm. back to your desk and you're like, oh, oh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. All right, now what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? To
1: me, the best thing to develop new ideas is to not develop them at all, is to go into where people are asking the questions that need to be answered and start answering those questions.
2: Hmm.
0: Yes, that's a, that's um, an often overlooked little tip and trick to find out what opportunities are there to help people, right? It's amazing how few people recognize that and, and it's so simple. Somebody's asking questions. I need help with this, and oh, okay. Well, I've, I happen to know something about that. Exactly. Hmm. Wonderful. All right. Um, do you have a favorite resource you use most often?
1: For yes, I do. When I have to sit down and write or do something creative or really focus, I turn on binaural beats, and I usually use a YouTube somebody recommended recently on my podcast, Brain FM which I, I actually really enjoy, um, but at most of the time I do just open YouTube, turn it on my computer, put on my headphones, turn on some binaural beats, and let that take my brain into a space where
2: I can flow.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm, fascinating. I, I've tried that out and never really felt as though it, it did anything for me,
2: so I might have to revisit that one.
1: <laughs> Try 40 hertz.
2: 40 hertz, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. One for the
0: action today. What's what's the best way to keep a client on track?
2: Communication. <laughs> the, if there's nothing else to say about that. If you if you're worried about it, communicate it. Hmm.
0: So transparency is yes is an important part of that. Yeah,
2: one hundred percent.
1: Because you might find out that you both need a little bit of time, and that that's okay.
2: Yeah. You know, but you're not going to know that if you don't talk.
0: Hmm. Okay, and what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves?
1: You know, I love this question so much because I don't think that if if you are authentically you, if you are you, you hmm. need to do nothing to differentiate yourself <laughs> because you're already different because you're you. So being as much you as you can be, be more you.
2: Yeah.
0: And I think one of the, to me, that's, that's the obvious clear answer to that question. But one of the things that people struggle with is that self awareness piece of who am I really? And what, what are some of those unique things that come to the table? And communication is a good thing there. Um, we can talk to other people about that and say, hey, what, how do you see me? what what are some of the, what are the what are the things that you value in our relationship what are the things that you like when we spend time together and so on
1: someone asked me a question once i, I was in a uh, online business program and i was there was homework that to go ask 25 people which was a lot ask 25 people the three words that they think of when they think of you if hmm. they had to describe you in three words what would they use and when I got the answers back, there was a lot of sort of bold, brave, courageous sort of things. And, you know, I'm afraid all the time. <laughs> but, but you can't. And then I started thinking, well, you can't actually be brave if you're not afraid in the first place. It's not a brave, it's not brave to do a thing if, if it doesn't create fear. So while I was focusing on, on the fear part of it, the people outside of me were seeing the action and the courageous part of it. And it really shifted the way I viewed myself. Hmm.
0: Yeah. So all people outside are observing behaviors and they're judging on behaviors. Whereas we tend to focus so much on, on the feeling part that, um, that we kind of forget. Well, yeah, I was scared about jumping out of the plane and, and I was really worried until I hit the ground, but, but I jumped out of the plane. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Mm. All right. Well, thanks, Kate. This has been fabulous. Now, where can people find out more about you? Get a hold of your book, find the podcast, try the burnout, and maybe even get in touch and say thanks for what you shared today.
1: Everything, the best place to get me is at my website, which is katedonovan.com, C-A-I-T. And that's the, that everything is sort of can flow from there.
0: Great. And I'm sure you've got Boundaries set in place there so that people <laughs> know clearly how, how the best thing is to go progress exactly, from
2: there. Exactly. Hmm.
0: All right. Well, do you have some parting advice for our guest today? For our listener, you're the guest.
2: Yeah. I think, I think that
1: if you were a little nervous when I mentioned resentment today and that it could actually be a useful tool, I'd hmm. ask you to spend a little bit of time with it and get curious around it. Because if you're nervous about it, that means it's popping up. And if it's popping up, that means some boundaries need to be put into place. And if boundaries need to be put into place, that means you're likely a little bit close to burnout. So don't be afraid of resentment. It's really, really great information for you. If you can, if you can stop and listen to it. So don't be afraid of it. Get curious and play with it a little bit.
2: Hmm. Yeah, great
0: advice. And and I think the idea of being curious about things that are coming up for us, whether that's resentment or any other thing, that it's it's really, um, it's kind of, you talk about resentment as a superpower, but I think just recognizing feelings that come up for us and and being curious about, well, why did that feeling come up and what's going on there and digging deeper, um, that can be developed into a superpower. So I certainly encourage people to, Um, look for those, um, signs of resentment. If you were nervous as we were talking about that, then yeah, dig deeper. Finally, Kate, who else should I get on the show and why?
1: I have a person who I absolutely adore. Her name is Janine Letford, and she focuses on using creativity as a way to fix company cultures. And I think that having this idea of innovation and creativity as the center of
2: culture creation would be really fascinating
0: Mm. yeah definitely sounds fascinating so we'll get an introduction to janine from you and reach out to her to start that conversation so thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights so generously with us today kate i've really enjoyed this learned a lot um, about the early signs of burnout and how we can kind of be curious and dig into what's going on for us and what we're feeling and what the underlying drivers of those feelings are. And if we need to change something, then that really gives us some good guidance. So thanks so much for the conversation today and please do stay in touch.
1: Thanks so much for having me, it was great.
0: I hope you enjoyed that thoroughly engaging and really insightful conversation with Kate and took something away from her episode. As you listened to and perhaps felt a little nervous about our conversation on resentment, I invite you to get really curious about that. In fact, any time that feeling of resentment comes up, get really curious about why you are feeling that way. Explore what you need to do to remove the source of that resentment. Is it setting some internal boundaries? Is it outsourcing some tasks to others? Is it changing the focus of where you're spending your time? As you get more clarity around any feelings of resentment, take action. Early steps can avoid burnout altogether. Consider resentment as a superpower. Kate's episode can be found at innovabiz.co forward slash katedonovan. That is C-A-I-T-D-O-N-O-V-A-N. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash katedonovan. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Kate, as well as links to her website, to the Fried the Burnout podcast, to her book, The Bounce Back Ability Factor, her social media pages and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation. If you've listened this far into the show, then I have a challenge for you. If you've loved this conversation and you think it would be useful to another person, be brave enough to share that conversation with that one other person. And my guess is that in the 500 plus other episodes that we've published up until right now, there's at least one other one in there that's equally as valuable to you as this podcast. You could pick your favourite number or I suggest take a 30-second glance through the past episodes and between now and the next episode, listen to one more and then write me a note on LinkedIn telling me which episode you picked, why you picked it and what your biggest takeaway from that episode was. Kate suggested that we have a conversation with creativity coach, Janine Letford, on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Janine, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Kate Donovan. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode so that we can get to know you and why you listen. Also, it will help us make the podcast even better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz to pick your preferred platform. And you can follow the show by going to followthepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz. If you'd like a peek behind the curtain to how we put together this show, go to InnovaBuzz.co forward slash flywheel, where you can access a free gift my team and I made for you, a short audio program that walks you through the entire InnovaBuzz flywheel. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing and your podcast into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Buzz podcast, where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.